Hey friends, this is Heather Kim. We just wanted to let you know that this week we have had the pleasure of having our dear friend Matt Marr as our guest. We wanted to give you a heads up that this is a longer conversation than we normally have, but it's full of many treasures, so we didn't want to cut anything out. We hope you enjoy it. God bless. Hello, and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James Heitland, and every week I'm joined by two of my dearest friends, Michelle Bensinger and Heather Kim. This podcast is born out of our friendship of sharing all kinds of things together, our walk with Christ, our insights, our joys, sorrows, tears, and laughter, and you are most welcome on the journey with us. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast. Here we are in the Easter season and we have another amazing guest that we absolutely cannot wait to welcome and to uh, introduce you to. But before we do that, we're going to just, just chit chat for just a second. Michelle, I'm just a little concerned about how homeschooling is going for you. So can you tell the world how you're hanging in there regarding homeschooling? Like, is everybody still sane? And are you wearing a <laughs> jean jumper dress yet? I need to know. No jean jumper dress. Have not embraced it. I have to tell you, I don't think I got the homeschooling gene. I I think that was a gene that was passed out in the DNA and it just kind of skipped me. Like maybe it's, I don't know, recessive. I don't know, whatever. I don't know anything about biology as you can see. So it is going okay. I just have a little dude that wants to fight the power and I'm the power. So, you know, like the struggle is (laughs) real, but we are getting it done. We are getting it done. We may be repeating a grade, but we are getting it done. Hey, aren't we all repeating a grade right now? It is what it is. Okay. I have to tell you, y'all, you know, my husband is like peaceful, like Oka righteousness, peaceful. He lost it last week with him. And I was like, yes, he even got Chris to crack. (laughs) I mean, I had such a sense of victory over that, which is really sad, you know, but you know, but it's all good. Heather, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Yeah. Doing very well, actually. Um, Although like my kids are all teenagers and they're like really good bakers and stuff. And everybody's baking so much bread and like cinnamon buns and everything. Like for sure, it's going to be the COVID-30, I think. (laughs) Like that's for sure. (laughs) So just trying to get out and walk it off is what's happening a lot up here. But uh, yeah, doing well. Sister, how are you? Pretty good. Uh, We... Uh, we had what Texans call a cold front last night, so it's 84 degrees outside. So we're we're getting crazy up down here. I mean, you know, keep it down, people. So, but it's been good, and just you know, continuing to allow the Lord to open our hearts and see what He wants to do during this time. So, and I know that the Lord's going to speak to all of us today through our guest, and so I just want to give Michelle the floor here to introduce our guest and to tell everybody all about him. So we are really excited to have a dear friend of all of ours, but Matt Marr, he is just an amazing worship leader, amazing worship writer, um, a poet, uh, just an all around amazing guy. He has been nominated for Dove Awards and won them. He hasn't won a Grammy yet, but we're going to hold out for hope. We feel like this is his year. This is a prophetic act. We feel like this is his year. And he and his wife, Kristen, have been married uh, for 10 years, and he can tell you all about his children and stuff when we introduce him. But he has just one of the most tender hearts that I know, and he is probably one of the um, men that I just, just such a man of integrity. You know, yes, he's a gifted musician and a gifted um, writer, but he is such a man of integrity and prayer. So we are so excited to have Matt on our show. 
Hi, Matt. Hi, ladies. Hey. <laughs> Matt, I just want to say, first off, I'm super glad that another Canadian is in the mix here because normally I'm outnumbered. I just, I, I yeah. need you. Now there's, yeah, even even how we're, we're currently stacked on my screen, it's like it's Canada is literally up top. Yes, yes as we are. Whatever. Yeah, as we yeah, are. yeah, yeah. It's okay. They're working through their inferior <laughs> complex. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. <laughs> Dude, that is so funny. Well, fa- Matt, we have to get the first question out of the way, which everything's downhill from here. But the most important yes. question we're going to ask you today is how do you like your coffee? How do you take your coffee? Ooh, uh, well, it... Honestly, it depends on the time of day. So, <laughs> like yeah, nice. morning, after my own heart. morning like coffee is a very specific thing. Now it's become that, like, because I put like protein in oh, it. Oh yeah. Like I'm doing the whole kind of collagen thing. So wow. usually, like that and oat milk, or uh, even sometimes coconut oil, and you like mm. whip it up. Oh yeah. Oh, like bulletproof. Yeah, yeah, kind of like yeah, bulletproof light. I can't do dairy. <laughs> I, I love it. It doesn't love me. So. <laughs> Uh, feel you buddy. So, uh, so I'm just sort of like searching for alternate things, but then, yeah, the, the, for me, it's funny. You talked about the COVID 30 for me, it's definitely the COVID caffeine Mm -hmm. because I'll make a pot and I'll just end up drinking the whole thing, (laughs) which is, you know, short term is great, but like six weeks of drinking. (laughs) (laughs) What's happening to my teeth right now? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have no adrenal glands. They're just, they're gone now. They're gone. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say usually like a little bit of some non-dairy milk of some kind and like one stevia. But if I have to drink it black, I'll just drink it black. Man, man, you do what you uh, got to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you do what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> so. I feel like living in Phoenix for 18 years and Circle K just <laughs> having the worst coffee because you had to buy it like in the morning. And if not, by the end of the day, it was just sort of this weird black tarry <laughs> sludge. There's a yeah, smell. There's a certain like, smell that goes with yeah. it. And you know that smell. Everybody listening knows that smell. Like, yeah, you know Circle K smell. coffee at 1130 at night. And I'm driving to ASU to practice like late at night. And I'm pretty sh- – I'm thinking they're going to resurface the road with this in the morning. <laughs> so I'm just going to go ahead and drink it right now. <laughs> Do my part. Oh, that's great. That is great, too. Well, we want to jump into our topic. One of the things that I love about Matt is his, like, um, I really feel like he has, like, a John 17 call on his life, an ecumenical call about unity. And not only does he live that with his worship, but he lives that in his everyday life with his wife, Kristen. And there's something significant that I think we skip over when the Lord's, one of his final prayers is, like, may they all be one. And I think a lot of times we're like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, nice gesture or nice sentiments, but no, it's an actual reality that that is the father's heart, that his people be unified and one. So we would just love to ask Matt, like what, you know, how does it work out for this call for unity within your marriage and just in the, yeah, worship and all that? Wow. Uh, well, I think, I think just to give some context, sure. um, so, uh, you know, I, I moved to Phoenix 25 years ago this year. 25 years wow. ago, I was on a on a youth retreat, a Catholic youth retreat, in the back of the room. Someone's doing a Young Life kind of skit. And the Holy Spirit, like, burst into my heart. And the Lord showed up in a, in a pretty massive way. I gave my heart to Jesus that weekend. And, um, so that's 25 years ago this year. Wow. So I'm, I get I start to get real teary. <laughs> if I get, I get teary, I'm talking about it because... 
you know, it's like, and it's my 10 year wedding anniversary. Mm. So it's, it's sort of like if anniversaries mean something, then they all mean something, yes. you know? So, and I, I tend to think, uh, having a divine encounter is, is, um, well, hopefully they're all sort of, they're all that in a way. Um, so I gave my heart to Jesus like 25 years ago, born and raised Catholic, got involved in youth ministry. Um, fast forward 10 years after that, around 2005, by that point, I think I'd already met Michelle and Chris. Mm-hmm. I think I'd met Heather, um, sister. I hadn't met you yet. No, I was not, I was not blessed with the, with the encounter yet, but we had all been involved in youth conferences, uh, student youth conferences. I was just writing songs for my parish, writing, just trying to write worship song. And if you're listening or watching and you're like, well, what is that? You know, it's, it's specifically believing and knowing that God inhabits the praises of his people, not just the liturgical praises, but literally just the praise. So that prayer that's outside of the liturgy, when we pray and specifically when people sing together congregationally, we believe that God shows up. And if you look throughout the history of the church, there's been movements and times where God is specifically blessed the charism of that for a specific uh, movement, you know, uh, of the spirit within that time frame. Charismatic renewal is obviously the most recent one. So, so I'm, you know, connecting with all these other young adults all around the country. I started writing songs. Um, I ended up writing your grace is enough. Uh, I got introduced to Chris Tomlin at a youth specialties conference, which is like the national youth workers. It's the, it was the largest sort of non or evangelical youth workers conference. I led that song with Chris's band. Uh, in 2004, he recorded it. I was at the time totally like 100% Catholic working at a parish full time in Arizona. I end up, um, connecting with folks through the passion movement, which is an evangelical college movement through Chris Tomlin. So 2005, I lead worship as part of a small group at this big conference. that's like 11,000 evangelical college students. And I remember being on the floor of Bridgestone arena, which is the arena in Nashville now it's where the predators play. It's like three miles from my house. I remember being on the floor when Chris first led that song. Wow. And just sort of like felt like it felt like like the stadium went up like a mile. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it just felt like it was just just like all these people, and they're all singing this song that I wrote, you know, on a on a back porch with a Bible and a cup of coffee, pouring mm-hmm. my heart out to God because I, you know, was sort of grieving being single, mm-hmm. and I just remember thinking, wait a second, these are all almost back. Like most of these people are Baptists like Methodists, mm. like it was sort of like peering into like an alternate universe and going like, wait, there's this, all these other people and they all follow Jesus and I don't know anything about them. And God started stirring something in me that that was January of 2005. Well, by the, by the literally the, the week before Holy week that Lent, I was doing a Bible study with college students. In fact, I had 20 college students at that conference And, um, I did this Bible study series throughout Lent on all these different prayers that Jesus prayed on the way to the cross. And I focused this one week on John 17 and it was sort of in preparing and studying for it 
that all of a sudden I was like, I feel like I've been glazing over this chapter, like the 10 years I've been following Jesus. Like no one's ever really talked about this. No one's made a big deal about this. You know, uh, I remember having a conversation with another worship leader at that time about, you know, why don't we write? There's not a lot of songs that literally quote the words of Christ. And he's like, well, he didn't say a lot. You know, um, which is, I guess, technically somewhat true, but there's this whole chapter of a gospel that's literally a prayer Mm. from Jesus. And then not only that, like as a Catholic, I just started looking at contextually and going, wait a second, he just instituted the Eucharist. And he's, so this is like, it isn't just, this isn't like an ancillary prayer the the son is praying for the fa- praying to the father and praying that we would experience the unity that they have as a trinity father son and spirit and he's praying it within the context of his passion he's not praying it outside the context of his passion he's literally which as catholics like we profess the entire the passio, the passion of Jesus. And we, we, you know, the mystery of faith is the, the passion, death and resurrection of Christ. We, you know, I, you know, at the same time, I think Dr. Hahn came through town and gave a talk at uh, the parish of work at St. Tim's on the, the Passover and Jesus drinking the fourth cup and he didn't drink, he didn't finish the Passover meal until he was on the cross. So, all this time, like as a Catholic, I'm considering all this. And then I'm looking at this prayer. Jesus is praying for unity. And it's it's in the middle of this. Mm. It's not it's not a happy thought, side thought. Listen, Father, I'm about to go do this. As I'm about to go do this, you know, I'm pouring one out for my homies. <laughs> it's not, which I think, honestly, that's the way. I mean, and that's sort of the part of the problem, right? Is that some people that's, think that's what Eucharist is. It's literally Jesus pouring one out. For us before he goes to die for our sins. And it's like, no, he's actually wrapping his arms around us and folding us into the embrace that he has with his father. And so mm. he's saying, I want them to experience what I experience. And my heart just, I was sort of undone wow. for a week. And I, it was honestly really difficult because I, I it was like scales falling from my eyes I was realizing the pride I had about like my, my Catholicity in the sense of like, it's one thing to feel, to understand the privilege and the gift in the sacraments. Mm. It's another thing to think that they make you better than someone else Wow! or that they make, or because they don't have them, they're inferior to you. Mm -hmm. And that's like a whole other conversation that I think, particularly in America, American Catholics, as we move forward in this time, are going to have to kind of realize we've struggled with an inferiority complex in America since its inception hmm. because America was founded by Protestants. It's a Protestant experiment of can we have self-governance rooted in virtue, rooted in these ideals but not swear allegiance to someone who's like to a monarchy mm. versus a Catholic worldview. And this is why, and Archbishop Shapiro gives a great talk. Uh, there's a great speech by him actually to the Mormon church uh, of all things, but basically talking about since Catholics arrived in America, it's like they've been trying to prove themselves. Mm. Interesting. 
So for me, I realized 10 years into my faith, really passionate about it, but also realizing, man, these things are, these things are privileges. They're not rights. Mm. Sacraments are privileges. They're not rights. I'm not entitled to anything. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm a slave to Christ. Wow. And his gift to me is literally that it's a gift. If, if, um, if I'm entitled to it, then the, then I lose sight of the gift. Um, it has to be free, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's part of the right of marriage, right? Mm-hmm. It has to be free. It has to be like fruitful. It has to be faithful. It has to be total. This is what St. John Paul II taught us. So, so I'm, I'm sort of repenting of all this stuff in my heart and going like, I have, n- I, I don't know what you're praying in this prayer in John 17, Lord, but I want to, I want to know, hmm. I want to have your heart for the whole church. And so it's, it's, you know, 15 years later. And I, I feel like every day I wake up and I still ask for that. So I started, uh, I ended up signing a publishing deal that year, um, actually like four months later with a non-Catholic, just like a Christian publishing company, the largest one in the world it was, uh, at the time it was EMI. Now it's called Capital Christian Music Group. But they had a website called Worship Together and it was, hmm. it was worship leaders from kind of mostly the UK and around America writing songs, people from different churches, all different denominations. And I was basically the only Catholic. And I just felt like the Lord say, I want you to go and just be a Catholic among them. Hmm. Leave your agenda, set your agenda down, and just just go and and be among them. And you know, and I feel like uh, there's a my cousin's part of a religious community called Madonna House, which was started by Catherine Doherty. Oh yeah, and that's kind of their whole philosophy of evangelization, which is the idea of like when you go somewhere. You, you literally go and just be among the people mm-hmm. and you, you kind of go there with a posture of humility. And I always, I, I liken it to this, uh, the movie, the mission mm-hmm. by, oh, um, yeah, but it's such an amazing film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's almost like two philosophies of engagement with foreign cultures in that film. There's one philosophy, which is um, these, like where we're going is savage and it needs to conform to our worldview. And the other way is, uh, I think, rooted in the proposition that Christ is preeminently active in places and people's eyes need to be opened to see where he is, also where he isn't, but where he is. And it's in the act of that unveiling that a real understanding of who Christ and and even what the beauty of uh, our faith is. It's a, it's a process of like, of that. So I started to see not just evangelization, but ecumenism under that, under that sort of that banner of like, um, where is the Jesus that I so believe is preeminently active in the sacramental life of the church. How is he preeminent and active in these other brothers and sisters of different faith? And along the way, you just start realizing, well, there's a lot that we have in common. There's a lot that we don't. Um, the stuff that we don't, uh, it 
it's actually usually stuff that's actually the more intimate parts of our faith. So Eucharist is actually a very intimate part of our faith. Um, the relationship that a lot of Catholics have with the Blessed Mother, with Our Lady, it's a very intimate part of our faith. Uh, so it's not that you can't talk about those things. It's just that are those things that you primarily talk about from a charismatic perspective? Mm-hmm. Or are those things that actually things that unfold once a broader um, sense of intimacy and friendship is established because it's because we're talking about really, really deep stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of this process of like, and then I just started writing songs because I realized that what I could do is I could write songs with other people Mm -hmm. and that song became common ground. Mm. So because what I saw happening in worship music was that these like barriers that existed between more traditional Christian denominations and more charismatic denominations were like breaking down and some of the barriers that were breaking down, what, what, what was sort of what God was using as a accelerant or a catalyst for that was songs. Wow. And the song became the common ground in the sense of like, because songs do that songs reinforce what we believe mm-hmm. So I started realizing, well, there's this larger dialogue happening. And so I think the Lord wants me to show up to try to just bring a perspective of someone who's living a sacramental life, doing the best they can to be rooted, like to the magisterium and to the the large sort of, you know, the large perennial tradition like of Catholicism, of Roman Catholicism. So I think that's what I've, that's what I've tried to do. And then one of my mentors said, man, you love Protestants so much, you're going to marry one. And I did. <laughs> so I met Kristen uh, in two, three years later, 2008, at a worship night that I was doing in Phoenix. And uh, we were friends for a year and a half. And uh, we started um, getting to know each other more and dating uh, in January of 2010. And it was just really apparent. Like, I, I just, I, I've never pursued someone that's like a whole other conversation, but, but one of my, the, the pastor of the parish I was at at the time just said, you know, Hey, we, we talked about, you know, the fact that she wasn't Catholic and her and I had a long conversation about kids and she was totally open to kids and totally open to the church's teaching on, you know, just the, the, I think the understanding of the language of gift as in terms of sexuality mm-hmm. and the church's teaching on, you know, contraception and, uh, so we were just, she was really open and I was really open and, and we both, so I just, the way I did it was I just looked out the right and I said, well, here's what the right says that we have to come with. Mm. And so if we can answer these questions honestly and be fully present, then grace can, grace can do whatever grace wants to do. Wow. And so that's what we've tried to do. So like all three of our kids are in Catholic school. She takes my kids to mass when I'm out of town. She's, I mean, she's the marketing director at the kids Catholic school. So <laughs> it's beautiful. I mean, the, the priests call her more than they call me. So, you know, I think, I think it's that we have a common sense of mission and, um, and she said, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that's why we're married. Maybe that's why God called us together is so that you could live out the vision of of like you could live out the banner that you're carrying for unity. 
yeah, so we're 10 years into it and it's, uh, it's definitely had its ups and downs and challenges, but, uh, Mm -hmm. That was sorry. That was long winded. No, but that's a. Okay. I'm gonna get better at answering this. That's a no. Shorter. It's a. It's a great. It's a great story, and it really leads into like the next part of what we wanted to talk about because you're seeing tangible fruit of Christian unity within your own personal life and your marriage, and and really like I would love to know what are some more tangible fruits that you've seen in Christian unity beyond denominations because you really are in a a very unique position, uh, being a Catholic, uh, amidst a whole bunch of, you know, like wonderful Protestant people who I think for Michelle and sister and I, we, we have such a heart for unity. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, we have gleaned so much from our Protestant brothers and sisters, but you have a very unique place there. And I would love to just know, like, what are some of the tangible fruits that you've seen beyond denominations? Um, well, there's a quote by A.W. Tozer that, uh, says, where brothers dwell in unity, God commands a blessing. Whoa. So That's a good one. Yeah. So what I, what I would say is that there have been moments, um, I mean, literally throughout the past 15 years, uh, I was just having a conversation actually. So Aiden King, who's uh, hmm. sort of kind of one of the lead uh, voices of Hillsong Young and Free, uh, grew up Catholic. Wow. Um, he was at World Youth Day in Sydney in 2008 when I was there. Wow! Wow! With with his parish. Wow! <laughs> and um, it's actually pretty amazing. And since his youth minister introduced him to Hillsong music, so um, he still has this sort of whole kind of connection. I think in some ways on a familial level and in, and in his origins. Uh. With, with with Catholicism, but like that event uh, definitely stands out as a like a watershed moment just for like that there is a there is a tangible mm. and by tangible I mean emotional, spiritual, psychological sense of unity. Wow. So what I mean by that is that like we can uh, we can't fully trust our human faculties all the time when it comes to, to spirituality mm-hmm. because our feelings can betray us when it comes to discernment. Mm-hmm. However, when we, everyone I know has had profound moments of self-awareness, but beyond self-awareness, it's not really about self-awareness. It's about like awareness of the Lord's presence, wow. like in, in Eucharistic adoration mm-hmm. or at, at a mass where at the end of communion, there's this moment where there's this sort of pregnant pause. Mm-hmm. Time seems to kind of start to slow down. We're, we're drawn into these like moments that transcend. They transcend where we are. It's a, it's a transcendental, you know, it's, um, and, uh, and so I think that moments that I've had with that moments where I've gone to confession and I've had a profound experience of, of like, of actually, physically like feeling the forgiveness of the Lord, mm-hmm. not just like knowing it in my head, but like the unity that happens between the head and the heart when they're mm-hmm. sort of like reintegrated and reconnected. Yeah. Um, I would say that they're like that. There have been moments of unity where it literally just shifts. Like the air in the room mm-hmm. feels different. And uh, there is a sense of, uh, of stuff is being accomplished right now. That couldn't if this configuration 
wasn't existing the way it was. So, um, yeah, so like uh, that that night, World Youth Day 2008, it was with folks from Hillsong Church and folks from the Catholic Charismatic Renewal in Australia. There was a lot of resistance. Just, I mean, uh, there were people who had deep emotional wounds on both sides of the theological fence who really resisted the idea of a Pentecostal church in Australia and the Catholic Church doing an event together. Mm. There were folks who... Um, Folks who had ideological differences, like, the, hey, wait a second, our theologies don't totally line up on these things. There's these different areas. You guys think this and we think this. Um, there were people who just personality types, like they just didn't get along. Um, there were technical issues. There were sound issues. You had uh, 100,000 people in a part of Sydney that was like an industrial area. And, uh, and I found out, like, this is the only time that that event and an event like that has ever happened. And since nothing like that happened. Wow. And so, and now it's not even there anymore. It's sort of built up. It's a bunch of apartments, I think. But there's this sort of like brief window in time. And um, so that night there was worship. So we're singing songs in like different languages. Uh, actually, Father Rob Galea was there mm-hmm. oh, as a young man, mm-hmm. as a seminarian. <laughs> Who was singing? That was the. I I I gotta I gotta I keep forgetting to, to text them about this, but um you know we had Eucharistic adoration, uh, a couple of different people spoke, but it was just a profound sense of of um everyone headed in the same direction, which I think that mm-hmm. you know particularly like that as Catholics I think it's just the thing that we take for granted yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. the not not the uniformity but the unanimity of heart, Mm -hmm. the sense of saying like, we want to be about the same mission Mm -hmm. together. And it's like, no one else has like a side, like a side hustle that they're trying to accomplish in the middle of this thing. It's like, no, we're like, we're all on board. This is what we want. And, and I think I've just, so what I would say is like a tangible thing of fruit would be to say, um, if people can start to open their hearts for this sort of endeavor or to just simply ask Jesus, how do you want to do this? Hmm. Um, what I would say is that there's going to be a sense of fruit in the sense there's going to be a, a, a sense, a common sense of, uh, of mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think that's really, really profound. I think the other thing that I've experienced is that I've watched people experience deep, deep sense of reconciliation. Now I don't mean the sacrament of reconciliation. What I mean is that, is that at this point, um, Christian division uh, in a visible sense has existed for over a thousand years. And so as we begin to participate, which I think it's in the book of Ephesians, it talks about how Jesus is reconciling or calling us to the ministry of reconciliation, you know, which I think it says in Corinthians that Christ is reconciling the world to himself. That includes the church. Mm. He's reconciling the church to himself, which is why he would pray for unity as he's about to die on the cross, because he knew there would come a time when we wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Obviously, as a Catholic, I believe yeah. that the church is unified in an eschatological sense. You know, it's like someone, I think it was uh, George Weigel says, Christ is not coming back for a harem. <laughs> he's coming back for a bride. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. a so in an escal- eschatological sense, like the church is one. Mm-hmm. She's unified. She's perfect. However, in a, in a temporal sense, we are very much still stuck in, in these moments of conflict. And something as simple as someone getting to know a, a priest beginning to pray 
with a um, with a pastor from another church. When that happens, there is a blessing that nothing like that no other event mm. could like. It's a specific blessing, I guess, is what I would yeah. say, because mm. it's it's fulfilling the 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 conciliatory work of Christ, the like the reconciliation of Christ. That that's what he's about. He's about reconciling the world to himself, mm-hmm. which includes the church. Yeah, and we're big believers in like you know, being in agreement with what God is about, you know, that we yeah. literally don't just say, oh yeah, I'm Catholic or I'm Christian. So whatever goes along with that, I'm about that. It's like knowing what God is about. He is about unity mm-hmm. and being in agreement with that in, in not just what we say, but in how we act and how we approach people that goes within our own church, because we're seeing a tremendous amount of division right now within our own church. Um, and also outside of our denomination across boundaries. And I think the more that we agree with the truth of who God is, that he is a God of unity and he is one and he desires us to live in his image in that way. I think it could change if we had that at the forefront of our mind, how we approach other people within and without, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think all of us have had experiences where we are hearing, uh, what people from other denominations, Christian denominations are saying that God is speaking to them and he's speaking the same thing mm-hmm. to us, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is so amazing is. because we're all listening. Those who want to listen to the voice of God are hearing God speak because he wants to speak to his people. And it's not just the few, like, no, I, yeah, you know, no, not at all. And I, you know, I think the thing is that I think, there's a lot that, you know, it's like there's there's one work of the spirit and there's different gifts. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think. It, but it's the um, same spirit, you know. But it's the yeah. same. It's the same <laughs> yeah. spirit. And I think that's one of the things I've learned, like over the past 15 years, is not to assume that everyone needs to talk the same way and be passionate about mm-hmm. the same things. There's some people who unity for them is a very intellectual pursuit mm-hmm. or it's a pursuit grounded in like a philosophical coming to a philosophical, not just understanding, but agreement that it's like, we look, we can't have unity until we literally, even though you're standing over there and I'm standing here, we have to have the exact same perspective. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 to me at this point in my life, I just, I look at what they're doing and I pray the blessing of God on what they're doing and ask the Lord to sort it out. Just like I would say for me, Lord, help me stay focused on you not stray into error or anything like that. Mm. But I just don't want to have a spirit of criticism just for the sake of having a spirit of criticism because, mm-hmm. and I think, cause I think, I think, I think it's good to be loving and I think it's good to be critical in love, but I think we need to be really dangerous about sometimes our motivations and being critical mm-hmm. because I think sometimes our motivate, it's very easy. I, what I've experienced in my own life, it's very easy to be critical out of a place of envy, mm. out of a place of uh, loneliness, mm. out of a pace of a lack of self-fulfillment. So I begin to sort of start to project onto other people or I look at other people and I go, well, they seem to be more popular, more successful, you know, more this, more that. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. And um, and I've just learned, you know, I I think I it's, it seems to be a waste of resources mm. in terms of my own emotional health. And so I think it's better just to pray for a spirit of humility and just to stay in my lane and keep doing what I'm doing. And, 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 you know, pray for God, pray for God to sort things out. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what he's doing right now. And I think you're totally right. I mean, when you talk about our church is very divided, 
this isn't something that sprung up overnight. Mm. The reality is, is that this is something that God is unveiling because it's persistent. Mm. It's persistent. And so as a, as a loving father, he's sort of saying, I'm going to expose this now. Mm. And, and, um, and if we can, you know, have the faith to grieve it, but then also have the humility just, you know, to, uh, figure out how, how do I, how do I play a role in Christ reconciling the church or how am I unwillingly playing a role in the church being disembodied? Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. That's, I think yeah, it makes total sense. And I appreciate Matt um, on so many levels that, you know, how often the prophet has to live out the message, right? So here you are literally as the prophet, a prophet living out the message. And I think that what you're speaking of is the deep internal work that everybody has to do because it's very easy to be all or nothing or mm -hmm. either or, or if we can't have unity here, we can't have it anywhere. And so what you're speaking of is the both and of the spirit of humility and also the willingness to admit areas where we don't agree. And it's that continual purification of our own motiv our own motivations and what's happening within us and our willingness to see others as Christ sees them, you know? And so I, I, it's, and that's, that's the hard stuff, right? That's why a lot of people don't want to do it because mm -hmm. it, it does, it challenges ourselves to see like, gosh, where am I? Like you said, where am I, where am I, uh, you know, a force for unity and where am I a force for division? And I wonder how would you, what would you say like to our listeners who either are married to non-Catholics themselves or who want to start building a bridge with our, you know, non-Catholic uh, brothers and sisters, like where do they start on honestly, like where's, what's the first step? Like, what do you do? Prayer, <laughs> prayer, 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 yeah. prayer. I mean that right now, uh, I wake up every day and I feel the, the, the weight of God not, not constricting me and not forcing upon me, but just overwhelmingly inviting me into prayer. Mm -hmm. I just think we've, we've kind of just taken it for granted. And the power of it, the power of prayer and the ability of prayer like in a, in a material world full of material like cause and effect of like results-based mm -hmm. things of like, um, what's my ROI and my investment or like I need to see an immediate result of mm -hmm. something. I just feel like the Lord calling me more and more into prayer. Like when this whole thing happened and this, and this whole pandemic shut everything down, like, well, I, I just overwhelmingly heard the Lord say like, um, if you will allow me to use this time, there's stuff that I want to put in you that, that I couldn't do. Mm -hmm. In any other season of your life. Amen. But I can do it now. Mm -hmm. And if you allow me to, you will be better prepared to serve me in what is mm -hmm. to come. And that's a good you know what? So and I, I think I think depending on your your temperament, <laughs> you could either get really paranoid about that phrase, like of what is to come. Mm -hmm. But I'm not. I'm mm -hmm. I'm really excited. I just I think that um I I think that God's I, I I just I think we're on the verge of like a whole like a window is being opened right now. I agree. And there's just so much grace. So I think what I'd say to anyone is prayer. If you have a spouse who um you here's the thing, you could have a spouse who's baptized Catholic who actually doesn't believe in the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. So which is worse? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Someone who can receive it and doesn't care. Or someone who canonically can't, 
um, because they don't understand it yet. Their eyes haven't been opened to it yet. I think I, like I look at both and I would say, well, they, they're both, they, they both need, uh, an awakening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe the best thing to do is just pray for an awakening. Mm, that's good. I mean, even right now, when we're sort of, even within the church, the lady, we're debating whether or not priests should be physically risking their lives to give us the Eucharist, but we're missing a gift mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the loneliness of Jesus mm-hmm. oh, amen. and meditating on his hunger mm-hmm. to be given to us. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, it, like that's Holy Week was like literally Jesus saying like, focus on my longing for mm. you. Don't focus on your longing for mm. me. Because, and, and the, this uh, pastor in New York who is connected with the, my wife's church, Church of the City, he said it this way. He was uh, in a sermon two weeks ago, we were watching online. He was talking about, he actually started talking about the real present. And he said, he said, the real question though right now isn't where is the Lord? It's where are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and so I think that's the thing. Like if I'm in my sense of entitlement, then I'm not really receptive. Mm. So I digress and kind of go back just to say, if you have a spouse who isn't Catholic, once again, it's sort of like uh, how, like when you just, just kind of to do a bit of an inventory of like when you pray, what is it you're praying for? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't, uh, uh, I don't have a, I'm not a spiritual director, so I, I don't feel qualified <laughs> and I'm not a theologian, so I don't feel qualified to answer such things. But I simply just to say, like in my own family, you know, I've got three kids. My, my oldest son was about to experience first communion Aww. last week. Aww. And so we're praying this active spiritual communion and i'm instead of grieving the loss of that i'm seeing it as an opportunity for him to grow in a sense of understanding of the gift so that when he gets to receive the gift Mm. like god can god can he can (laughs) he can um fill up the space Mm -hmm. if it's an extra three weeks of not receiving the eucharist the graces that he can pour out in the blessed sacrament on that that Sunday, like I, I just have this vision of like people going back to mass and everyone just getting bowled over by the real mm-hmm. presence, and that literally maybe it took nine weeks of not being able to receive them to actually break some of the hardest hearts. Wow, wow! And that and that could even include like spouses who aren't Catholic, mm-hmm. like that once again could they experience a radical sense of communion and community that would create that hunger, right? Because I feel like we all agree that that it's the desire for Eucharist is driven by hunger. Mm, that's good. It's not. I for me, I don't know if it's driven by knowledge. Yeah. So I, I I digress. I think prayer. It's just I because it it it's it's moved mountains. It's stopped wars. It's it's changed the destiny of like of you know uh, powerful men and women. 
And it's the thing that people use over and over again in the scripture. Yeah, and I agree. And I think um, a prayerless church is a powerless church. And I think the Lord is calling yeah, us to, good you know, to deeper prayer and deeper um, intimacy with Him. You know, it's almost like He says in Scripture, "It is better that I go away." You know, like so we have this indwelling of His Spirit that we haven't had before because there's a longing and desire. But I think you touched on something, and this is like where I would love for us to end and the podcast with. Like, what is this, like, what do you feel like the spirit is saying to the church? Like, well, to you right now, like you just, you touched on it a little bit. You and I have talked about it at the beginning of quarantine and all of that. Like there's a stirring, like we all feel it coming. And I don't think it's a stirring to be fearful, but I think there's a shakening that's coming. I mean, you feel it in the world. And when the Lord shakes things, it is to bring people awake, you know, almost say, wake up. I have something for you. There's like a longing and a desire, but I think it's also calling us a lot of us to refinement, you know, where there's a lot of refining yeah, no. fire going on yeah. yeah, and laying down some idols. Like a big thing is like revelations, like you've forgotten your first love. And I'm not saying Jesus come back soon. That is not what I'm saying right now, but I'm saying, Hey y'all, we have forgotten our first love. What have we put before mm-hmm. him? You know, do our hearts beat for him? Are we longing for him? You know, the spirit and the bride say, come, what's going on? So what has been the spirit saying to you in this time? Well, I think, and I think just to quickly read, because I want to feel like I honor, I need to feel like I honor uh, Sister Miriam's question. Mm-hmm. I answered it. To, but by answering this is to say, like, I think that basically the greatest witness in my marriage has been when I put the Lord first. Mm-hmm. Because that bore the most fruit in mm. my character and it bore the most fruit as a husband and as a father. Mm. And so what I would say is, and it points back to anyone, is that it's like if um, you have to let your life be be a, a legitimate reason as to why somebody would consider the sacraments right now. Mm. In the sense that the grace has to be evident. Mm. So, and, the, and so what I would say in this right now is that yeah, like I wrote this song that's on my newest album that just came out uh, called Love and Breathing. And there's a song on there called Light the Way. And the bridge was written last summer. And it was like, it's like you're lighting up my future. You're lighting up my faith. You're lighting up my wonder with endless grace. You're lighting up my failures. You're lighting up my fears, everything I've carried over all these years. And I had no idea. <laughs> I'm laughing now that God was like telegraphing the playbook for like the the next year. But I would say like, that is my season right now. Mm. So I would say that God, I feel like is illuminating a path forward. That's full of promise and full of hope Mm. and full of a childlike sense of wonder again. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, As a, and as a, as a disciple of Jesus, as a husband and as a father. And I've had some sweet, really sweet moments during this quarantine that, you know, we're like trying to be grateful for the gift of it. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there's that second half, Mm -hmm. right? Which is you're lighting up my failures, (laughs) you're lighting up my fears, (laughs) everything I've carried. And that's the thing. Like when you pray for a Pentecost, you better be careful what you're praying for. Amen. Because when the fire of God shows up, it lights everything up and it consumes everything, Mm. which is actually really good. So it, yeah, I think God is lighting up a lot of areas of my heart right now. And um, actually, I'm starting today a, uh, a consecration to St. Joseph. Amen. So the, the priest that married my wife and I, uh, him and I, he lives in Scotland. And we talked over the phone last week. And, and the next thing I know, the next day, 
this book showed up from Amazon and it, it, um, yeah, it's just been a really God, it's been a big godsend. So like, I'm, I'm, I think that's what I would say in the season is I'm, I'm really, I'm trying to receive as much of the consolation of the Lord that I can, because I think that's what sustains you. Like when he has to start doing surgery, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Amen. And, and you have to, and just, and trust. It's like, you know, I just, I think about all the songs, worship songs that come out and I'm a firm believer that the Holy Spirit um, speaks in that way through songwriters because all of a sudden four songs will come out and they're all kind of saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of songs like about a year ago that talked about how you work all things together for my good. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, so I was singing that eight months ago when it was new and it, there was a new melody attached to it. But do I still believe mm-hmm. it? Because yeah, it's true. So I, I think I think today I can keep singing even in the midst of like my own shortcomings as a husband and as a dad being unveiled and as a as a as a follower of Christ as a man right now, as those things are being unveiled, I can still say, Oh, this this is hard, but you work you you work all things together for my good. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. Yeah, and that the refining fire isn't something to be afraid of. Mm-mm, like no. if we remember that God is so good, mm-hmm. He's a good, he good it, Father. Yeah. That any refining mm-hmm. is for our good and will bring about good. There's a song that came out recently. I'm we all know uh, from Maverick City called "Refiner" with Stephanie oh, yeah. Gretzinger, which has been Ooh. like on my daily playlist, you know, but singing words like that. And when people, that's one of the gift of worship leaders, which I so appreciate in you as well, Matt, as a songwriter, is that worship leaders have this anointing to give words to things that are in our hearts, prayers that we don't know how to pray, um, aches that we don't know how to verbalize to God. And and so songs like that, for me, have been a catalyst to a deeper surrender mm-hmm. in my own life. And yeah, so I just, I know, I know that we're all on the same page with that, that the refining fire is a good it it's is. so, so mm-hmm. good when God lights it mm-hmm. up, like it's for, he's going to light up the world, you know, which is what we all want. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, my friends, we could go on and on and on. And um, I, I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface. And so um, like, but Matt, we really just want to thank you for your just prophetic voice in the church. And like mm-hmm. sister said before, you're, it's a prophetic witness. It's not only your voice, but it's a witness of how you're living your life. And um for have known you for many years, you know, I love watching how God is just transforming you from glory to glory and the more fullness that, um, that he is just showing in you and the compilation. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So thank you so much for the gift that you are to the church. And well, thank you for the gift that all three of you are. And I, I just, I appreciate the gifts that all three of you have. And thanks for allowing me to be part so of this. So good. Okay, sister. So now it is our... One thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing, my one thing this week is uh, I think perhaps many of us have heard the Sisters of Life produce something called the Litany of Trust, which is a beautiful litany of trusting in the Lord. They also have one, which is actually what they call Magnificat with Mary. And it's her fiat. And it's asking her to be with us in all the places when we're lonely, when we're uncertain in grief and loss, and also saying yes to the Lord. You know, for all the blessings of my life, I praise you, Jesus. For the gift of today, I praise you, Jesus. And so I just want to offer that to our listeners and um, just a total, like Matt was saying, like an openness of coming before the Lord and and giving our fiat to the Lord in 
all things and asking him to continue to be with us. So I, I love what the Sisters of Life, I love that community and their apostolate and their their litany of prayers are just beautiful. So I'll offer that for our listeners, the Magnificat with Mary from the Sisters of Life. So dear Heather, what about you, sweet girl? What's your one thing? Well, I'm stealing off Michelle to have two one things this week. Uh, The first one is uh, a new podcast by my husband and our dear friend, Dr. Bob Schutz. It's called Restore the Glory. So they're uh, two therapists talking about the healing and restoration journey. And you can check it out. They have a few episodes out. And so I've just been rejoicing that they have are coming together to help people journey, you know, into healing. So, so that's one of them. And my second one is a song again by Maverick City. They're just so good. good. It's called Promises. And that song lately, I mean, talk about making an agreement. Sometimes my battlefield, I would say often my battlefield looks like my shower because that's where it's happening, where I'm just like, I have the worship on and I am just trying to be in agreement with what God is doing. And that song in particular, especially now when hope seems to be getting so assaulted, like it is just agreeing with that God is faithful and that he will come through. Um, so check out that song by Maverick City. Mm. Michelle, what's your um, one thing? I have two one things. You're right. I'm sorry. Okay, you're good. <laughs> but I've mentioned this book before, but I've picked it back up again and I'm reading again. But it's um, Archbishop Martinez. He's like rocking my world. You know, like he is rocking my world. He, but it is this book on the Holy Spirit called The Sanctifier, and it is just brilliant. And there's a second book of his called In His Gaze, and it's actually a retreat that he wrote for Blessed Conchita, the slay woman. Whoa. And it Whoa. is, I, I mean, I'll tear up. I mean, I really will. I will tear up talking about it. The way he leads the slay woman's heart. And the way he, the words that he uses for the incarnational Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it is just like, he is like a, I think call him like a soul whisper, like the way he speaks to people's souls. Mm. It is just rocking my world. And um, the second part is I just have to give kudos to my husband. He is just been um, really just great. Like we are in a really good um, refining process with our family. We are doing a lot of stuff, uh, trauma counseling and stuff for our other children and brain stuff. And we haven't had the time and space to dive into it before. And now thank God, because of the quarantine, we have the space and it is so good. Like it is just so good and it's not easy. And he's really like leading the charge in it. And I just want to tell you people like picking up tools for marriage. Like I had no idea what to do when I first got married, (laughs) like none. (laughs) (laughs) Like I was like, okay, like, you know, but the Lord gives you the tools and the grace and as you keep on going, it gets better. And it just, we all just need more and more tools to love each other better. You know, and these are just some great Mm -hmm. tools and he's always transforming our minds. So it's just amazing. And Matt, what is your one things? (laughs) Wow. Um, I think I'm going to go, it's an act of faith. Like I said, because I'm just starting it today. But um, I think what I would say is that if you, I mean, I did the consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in 1998. So, um, and literally right as I was sort of praying about doing that again, this consecration to Joseph just sort of showed up. So I I, I would say two things. One is I would just say um, this, there's a book called The Consecration to St. Joseph by uh, Father Donald Calloway. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a 33 day journey. Um, there's a lot about the father of Jesus that I think people just, he's probably the most overlooked person in the Bible. And yet, um, now being a dad and knowing the influence 
that a father can have on their child. Uh, I'm really intrigued. And so I just feel like in the season right now, what I would say, especially in the month of Mary, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm recommending that book. If you, to, and there's, and, and the way it's laid out, you don't actually have to do, if you're like, you don't have to do the consecration if you don't feel that you can, there's a bunch of material that you can still read. But I would just say the other thing I would say was just the Holy family like that. They've just really been prevalent. I think on my heart in the sense of if, if you have, if you're watching this and you're part of a home, part of a family, um, just throughout the month of May leading up to Pentecost, um, to be praying for homes, to almost become little furnaces. That's the, literally the image that I that sort of have, you know, that I think as the world op- starts to open up, um, it's the question of like, what are we opening up to? Mm-hmm. And, um, and once again, so therefore that that's when the missional activity of the laity needs to be really rooted in something like you can't, otherwise we have nothing to give. Mm-hmm. I mean, we never really do, but it's like, but if we don't have, you can't take people to a place you've never been yourself. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I really, I've, I've, I've definitely felt the intercession of the Holy Family lately, and in particular at my house. But maybe that resonates with you too, Matt. Thank you so much. It, I, I just feel like I could probably speak for Heather Michelle. It's been an honor to spend time with you. Thank you for sharing your heart with us and thank you for your vulnerability and your honesty. And I, you know, I think sometimes, you know, we think of certain people who are very well known and we have certain ideas of who they are. And it's always such a lovely gift just to come alongside and hear your heart and, and to have you share your life as a person. So I just, it's been a distinct, it's a blessing for my heart just to spend time with you. So thank you so much for being with us today and for blessing all of our listeners with your beautiful heart. Thank you very much. Yeah. So dear listeners, we uh, hope that the Lord encounters you this week and especially um, in the areas of unity. What's, what's he saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now in the area where he wishes to refine you and to bring you into oneness with himself? So thank you for coming along with us on the journey. And until next week, we will be abiding together. God bless you. If our podcast has blessed you, would you please consider financially supporting Abiding Together via Patreon? Patreon is a website where people can make donations to help keep the podcast going. And now that we at Abiding Together have an independent platform, we have a number of costs that go into creating the podcast and the high quality content we offer, such as our website, design, tech support, staff, and other elements. Having an independent platform also allows us to explore and create new content for all of our listeners to enjoy. So thank you so much to all of you who are already donors. When you donate through our page on Patreon, you are able to donate any amount, $1 a month, $5 a month, $500 a month, or just a one-time offering. Abiding Together is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization, and donations are tax-deductible. So would you please prayerfully consider giving to Abiding Together? If you donate $15 or more per month, you become a tribe member, and you will receive a short individual video from Michelle, Heather, and I each month about a variety of topics. You can see all of the information on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash abiding together podcast. So consider becoming a supporting member today and help us further the work of the Holy Spirit moving in and through this community. Together, we can do amazing things. We are so grateful for your support and may God bless you.
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? Could you also leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? That helps us get the message out to as many people as possible. All the show notes are in your podcast app, but if you'd like them emailed to you, you can go to our website at abidingtogetherpodcast.com and subscribe. On our website, you will also find all of our past episodes and information about various episodes. You can also join our private Facebook group and get in on the discussion and all the beautiful things that are happening there. We are so glad that you are on the journey with us. And until next week, we'll be abiding together. God bless you.